Hi, everybody. Welcome to Every Coach Needs a Coach, a podcast for coaches of all sports and all age groups to learn from coaches and people they may otherwise never have the chance to meet. Today, I'm excited to have on Dr. Ryan Cannon, who's a physical therapist with his own physical therapy practice in Salona Beach, California. He played Division Three lacrosse at Misericordia and currently coaches youth club lacrosse and AAU for the past two years. Ryan and I had a wonderful conversation, and I'm going to dive right into it. Uh, in our introduction, we just kind of started talking, and it uh, it led into a really productive and really intellectual conversation about why we coach, how we coach, and how we can have a mindset within coaching of, of building an environment that really fosters growth. So I'm going to let it dive right into our conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks so much. Uh, you coach hundreds of players. And not everyone has the same goal. Not everyone has the same amount of fun, but you as a coach have to perform for every single one of those kids, no matter where they're at. And yep. I, I would tell you that I, I'm first of all inspired because it takes a special person to stand in that place uh, where, you know, the athletes realize that you're the person for them. You're the person that's going to facilitate whatever growth they want in this sport. Um, You're the person that's going to facilitate fun, right? You're the person that's going to allow them to feel comfortable in, you know, whatever the performance is. Right. And I guess, I guess that that that's all super, um, you know, super similar to to why I went into what I do too. Um, Cause I would tell you that I missed the game. Uh, You know, I left the sport after, playing my entire life and I miss lacrosse. I miss lacrosse and I was definitely in a place where I was doubling down on physical therapy as well. Uh, I was mm-hmm. pivoting my career from working in outpatient orthopedics and I was looking to start my own practice and deciding on the location. So this was about a year and a half ago. Uh, it's almost years mm-hmm. ago. So I left Delaware out of outpatient orthopedics and moved to North County, San Diego with the intention of working with higher level athletes and providing value to that place. So when I started in that journey, I was focusing very hard on physical therapy and I was feeling like there was something missing. And when I was building my practice, I was still, again, feeling like there was something missing because my intention was to give back to the places where I was given to. And as an athlete, I, I recognized the coaches that stood in my corner for me and I recognize the coaches that were going through the motions. And I would tell you that I have never wanted to uh, be a bad example for my athletes. I've always wanted to, as you said perfectly, lead by example. Uh, if if mm-hmm. I'm expecting something from my, you know, my rehab clients, I want to make sure that I'm leading from the front. I'm leading by example, not just leading through words. Um, yeah. And I would tell you that in the sport world, what motivated me to reach out and start giving back with lacrosse was realizing that my value wasn't exclusively under the hat of physical therapy, that I had value to give outside of my profession, and that I had wisdom through experience because I was able to empathize with those athletes just like I was one of the athletes. So... When I was, when I was building a practice, as I said, I felt like something was missing and what was missing was execution and intent because I had my plans to give back to physical therapy, 
but I missed something because the whole reason that I was giving back to rehab was because I had a growth and a journey that was facilitated from rehab when I was suffering and, and dealing with an injury. Right. Um, and I'm sure that you've had similar experiences with injuries, but I would tell you that I, I learned that rehab was only a piece of the puzzle, uh, that athleticism wasn't exclusive to performance. And I started to realize that like, as a coach, my presence in just knowing what I know was enough to kind of facilitate growth in the places that, you know, I intended. So when I had some opportunities to reach out to uh, local teams here in San Diego, I didn't know anybody, but I would tell you that what was pretty well understood early on was, as I said earlier, coaches that kind of reciprocate this growth mindset, they're, they're good people to have in your corner because they're the coaches that execute with intention. So they're not in it for themselves. They're not in it to, to show you the pictures of their clients before and after, but they're in it to, to, to pour back into it, right? Without any intention of yeah. I want to receive on the back end. Uh, so when I was doing that in San Diego, it was, it was pretty, uh, I, I obviously found a coaching position pretty fast, but I, I was humble because I, I was asked a lot of, and it, I would tell you that I was challenged at first because I uh, I had a lot of the imposter syndrome stepping out of the rehab world into the coaching world at first. And not, did you have any of that when you uh, were stepping back into coaching as well? A little, a little, um, especially in like designing hmm. programs for the team. Like, well, who, who are you? You're just, you're just a physical therapist. Who are you to, to mm. change their warm up on them? It's like, you're the best person in the world. That That's a great example on. right there. Did you end up changing the warm up or? Oh yeah. And how did oh, they do it? And they, the injury rates have, have been so much better. We still get them, but just way better. And that's something I, I mm. take a lot of pride in. And that happened by accident too. That's a funny story, but I started with my freshman basketball team and I noticed every time they landed and I was dealing with 14 year old girls, like it, it was like elephants in the gym. It was so yeah. loud. And I was like, all right, I got to do something about this. Like one of these kids is going to go down with an ACL. So I started to implement like a, a just a, a very simple everyday plyometric warm-up, right? Double leg broad jumps, single leg to single leg, just a couple different things sideways. Took them five minutes probably to do. And at the last game of the season, they were warming up and I turned around and I couldn't hear them. I was like, Oh my God, like, this worked right. Three months later, right? yeah. I was like, Oh my God, it worked. And, and one now they're seniors. One of them in their athletic career suffered a, a partial torn ACL from, from contact, but all the rest are, have been great. Um, and that's, I didn't, I'm not taking credit for that in any way, but they knew how to jump mm. and they knew how to land. Um, and I'm, I'm confident that, had they not learned that, right, and had I, I not been the one to, to step up and teach it to them, uh, those athletic careers mm. could have looked a little different. Um, so, yeah, I think we all face that. Like, I, I had to – my husband now, he was – you know, my boyfriend then was like, what? yeah, you have to teach them that. Who else is going to teach them that, Kel? I was like, oh, all right, I guess so. And that's – that's I, I would tell you that's awesome. Um, I, I went through a similar challenge. You know, I, I – would tell you the first thing I was asked of is, "Hey, can you put in a different warm up?" So I had some similar thoughts that you had. Yeah. I I thought to myself, I was like, "Yeah, sure," but am I the right person for this? And 
you know, cancel that because absolutely you're the right person for this. Um, yeah, for sure. And I would tell you, that's the biggest growth for me is, is stepping under that hat as, as a coach and just understanding that I am enough. You know, I, I have, I have the, you know, the intention, I know what I need to do. And it's just a matter of each and every day performing for, uh, performing my role as a coach. Uh, and as, as, as we're finding, you know, there's a lot of value we provide in rehab as well. Uh, in that place, uh, in the form of injury reduction. So that's, that's really, really awesome. Um, cause I also had the opportunity to, uh, I had the opportunity to work with my alma mater and provide a off season training program for them in their time of need. They had a, mm-hmm. they had a very, very injury ridden year, uh, a few years back. And I mm-hmm. had some people in their, in their camp reach out to me and ask me if I could help out and, providing a different way of training, a different method of training. And I've had some similar results. And I would tell you that it's a lot of the athletes picking up what I'm putting down. It's not me, but it's, it's really awesome to see on the back end what is possible when someone like us in rehab really uh, have the opportunity to step into that space and provide, as I said, some of that value. For sure. For sure. Um, Right, we, we kind of got started, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm just talking. And it, I'll, I'll, no, this is this is amazing because yeah. because you're answering questions left and right. I haven't. I don't think I've really asked any. <laughs> but this is this is really cool. Um, and I like what you're talking about of of that idea of providing value in a time of need. I think I think we can belittle ourselves as coaches a lot and and let that creep in, but understand like you're providing a a service. Um, is really cool. So I'm going to ask you, I know you're, you're, you haven't been at this for very, very long, but I'm sure you have a good answer for this of like, what's your, what's your greatest strength as a coach? Or like, what do you do better than anybody else? I would tell you self-awareness is something I'm very, very, uh, very, very good at. Uh, I have a lot of self-awareness myself. Uh, I know my gifts in uh, leadership. So I, I understand, for example, that I'm a very direct person. And I'm a very goal-oriented person. And those can be absolutely verbalized and orchestrated through the vision of a team, through the mission of a team, through the culture of a team. And so for myself as a coach, I would say my strengths are knowing what I know about myself and standing in those strengths and traits and just executing in those places without asking a lot of questions of myself because I know that's what I do. And then uh, I would also say I'm learning and recognizing where my weaknesses are in rather trying to put another thing on my plate to stand in the gap of those weaknesses and make up for it. I I've, would say that I have self-awareness that helps me reach out to people that have, can help me fill in those gaps in that those are their strengths rather than my own. For sure. How do you we both know the answer to this. Is that valuable for your athletes to understand for themselves? So going, going off of that, I, I think it's important for the athletes to have their own sort of self-awareness. Uh, I believe we're in a time where there's a lot of generational uh, interest kind of portrayed down lineage. And I say that in like a very wide uh, generalist way, but I would tell you that as I coach, I want the I want my athletes to develop in their own strengths and not in the strengths of who they perceive. Uh, and I, I would tell you that as a coach, I understand that not everybody's 
why is the same. Not everybody's uh, talent is the same and not everybody's desire to get better is the same. So in just recognizing that of my athletes and understanding that growth is not linear, uh, it's not a linear projection. Uh, when we put work in, sometimes work doesn't come out in the same way we expect. And I would say that I understand that for my athletes because of where I've been in athletics and sport. Yeah. How do you get your athletes to understand? Oh, man, I would I would, I would tell you that they're smarter <laughs> than we think. Um, you know, we we act as coaches and we think that, you know, our our path is in our own head. Right. But as I said earlier, you know, I, I remember the coaches that gave their all every single practice. And I remember the coaches that mm -hmm. gave to relationships. I remember coaches that helped me when I asked a question. I remember coaches that told me to, to wait. You know, I remember all those things. And I would tell mm -hmm. you that our athletes do too. <laughs> our athletes are very aware. And regardless of whether I say something, they, they know what you do. Uh, so they, they see consistency. They see your ability to carry yourself on a day to day. And I, I feel for me and my, you know, my strengths, I feel like my athletes kind of understand, uh, how I stand in those things. Yeah. I really like what you said there. Like they are super aware. Yes. They will remember us regardless of whether you say something they, they see well, who we, we are. And we're in this space, but we know that, you know, a lot of what's said isn't said, right? Uh, a lot of what's communicated is nonverbal as well. And we're having this conversation during a quarantine. And when I was just now at the grocery store, I was talking to the cashier about uh, facial expressions. You know, it's hard to show someone that you're smiling under a face mask, right? But you can tell them, but they may or may not believe you, right? So it's really just demonstrating, right? Like, if you feel unhappy as a coach or if you're frustrated with your day and if you're frustrated with what's happening outside of when you're coaching the team, it's going to show itself through practice, through your nonverbal communication skills, whether you want to or not. And those athletes yeah. are going to see that whether you want them to or not. So it's up to you as a coach, whether you want to or not to put on your game face. Yeah, exactly. The same way you would as a player. It doesn't really change. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was talking with, with another coach and he's, a, uh, he's actually a professor and he says to his students, like, uh, you're a professional, like, you have to show up. doesn't matter what happened in your life. The same way we do as PTs, the same way we do as, as anything, teachers, lawyers, whoever, like you're a professional, show up and serve the people who you're meant, who exactly. you're assigned to serve. Exactly. Um, I would, I would say, though, also, uh, a lot of it, you know, a lot of it's the work that you do behind the scenes, too. So you talked about how you hold yourself accountable, uh, accountable in growth and personal development and putting yourself in the face of something physically challenging and something hard. And you try to do that every single day consistently because that's what you ask your athletes. And I would tell you that you're you're not wrong. You know, all that work is done behind the scenes. And all that work you just talked about, but isn't really stuff that you talk about, right? It's something that's expected. And yeah. it's, I, I call it as this, it's yeah. like pecking order. It's, it's, you must be this tall to ride this ride. And I, I believe we need to have that accountability as, as coaches, as leaders, and as someone who's a mentor to, to someone younger than yourself. 
you are an elder to someone. So you need to act the part and you need to put in the work. So if it means, hey, I've got to deal with these things so that I can show up and perform in this different hour of my day, that's what you have to do. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I want to ask this of you as, as either a coach or an athlete of if a particular game or practice stands out to you as a growing point or a high or a low, and what did you learn from it? Absolutely. So there's, there's a couple practices that come to mind and they're honestly all the practices where we had to start the practice over again. Um, we, we, <laughs> as, this as, is a as, player, as a coach, you mean? I would tell you as a player, the, the, the practices that stood out to me the most were the ones that started off negatively and, and spun into a positive. And I would tell you as a coach, it's the same thing. So it's the, it's the growth points. It's the disparity. It's we need to get here, but we're only here. And I would tell you that those stand out the most because they're the most challenging and they're where the most growth happens because when I was, so when I was a freshman, I'm going to tell a quick story because this will make sense. So when I was a freshman in college, I was in fall ball and we were in the first couple of weeks of practice. And if anybody knows about Northeast Pennsylvania in the fall, uh, it, it, it snows in October. So we're in the middle of a week where it's been 60 and it snowed in the same week. And it's just been all over the place. You know, we've been yanked around practices been at eight o'clock, moved to 10 PM, moved to 6 PM. And so we're having a practice uh, after a soccer game that started at 7.30 or 7.45 at night. So we're starting practice at 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember that practice like it was yesterday because we were 45 to an hour into practice and we had to start all the way over again. And we started over again during a pregame practice because I remember it was our work ethic and it was our we, – we didn't show up. We didn't show up to execute. And it was an important day. Yeah. And I would tell you that that, that – that stood out to me the most because it's not easy to start over, but when you have to start over, you, you, you want to make sure that you're, you're executing, right. You're, you're performing in the moment because you, you have potentially one opportunity to make things better. And most of the cases we, we have more than one, but it's, it's taken opportunities for granted that I, I would reflect on because as an athlete, looking back on those opportunities, like, like those were the moments where we've had to grow the worst uh, most. Right. Um, so going off that example, we literally started practice over again and we had practice until 1am and we did, we did all the conditioning at the beginning of practice over again. We did all the warmups over again. And a lot of it seemed redundant, but in my head, I was thinking this isn't redundant because this is a routine and this is a process that we have to adjust and, and execute every, every opportunity in, like, we can't go through the motions. We, we were not that good. Right. And, I think about this as a coach right. because there's a lot of work to do as a coach, you know, that the team has to be ready for it though. And, you know, as a coach, you have to stand in that place and you have to make people do the hard things because sometimes the hard things are what you need to do to start over, to put in a good system, to put in a good process and to make sure the mindsets are right. Because as human beings, you know, me and you know this in rehab, but as human beings, we're very psychological and that we put, processes on autopilot once we go through them a couple times and so going back to the story yeah. our coach literally made us start over again because we didn't show up we didn't perform with good work ethic we didn't execute the day before a game like he wanted us to and i found out the importance of that because mm -hmm. as we're autonomic creatures 
I don't want us to go through the motions for stuff this important, right? Uh, I want each and every one of us to yeah. put in the time to give the depth of energy that we need to give in each given moment and to understand that like, hey, we've got to get it going. Like we've got to get this going. And if if anybody else is accountable, it's us, right? And I went all over the place, mm-hmm. but I would tell you the most challenging moments as a coach are to start over practice. It's to completely reverse on your word, completely reverse what you're doing, what you're saying with the intention of doing things a little bit differently before. But yeah, and that's, I would tell you, that's where I'm challenged the most, but that's where it's most important for me to, to, to stand in that gap. I've never done or heard of that before. I guess I should consider myself lucky. Man, I would tell you it wasn't fun. Uh, and I remember it for a reason. Um, and I'm definitely no. very optimistically. Well, that, that was- but, uh, you know, anyone that has to practice for for an hour and then start over again and practice for another three is, is going to remember it. That's brutal. Did you know at the time as the athlete, two, two questions, did you know that Coach – could start practice over again or no. would if you guys weren't performing absolutely not. <laughs> okay absolutely so not. yeah right yeah because think about it. if you did we're going hard no, absolutely I don't want to start all this stuff right i love that my athletes are not gonna like that you told me that but i love it <laughs> I, would, I would tell you that like um, as an athlete though you kind of expect the coach to make you better right uh well right you would hope, you would that. hope that and i would tell you that the athletes that challenge you in that place uh have some self-reflection to do. Right. Um, yeah. and I'll also tell yeah. you as a coach, I, I would say the biggest phrase that sticks ahead in my mind is like lead a horse to water, right? Here's my intention. This is how I'm going to roll it out. You're either rolling with the punches with me, or you have some questions and you need to be kept up to speed with what we're up to here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, to, to, jump off of that a little bit the other phrase i heard that i liked was it's it's not the it's not the farmer's job to force the seed to grow right it's the farmer's job to provide the right environment the right soil the right sun the right water and if the seed's going to grow it will and if the seed's not going to grow you you can't force it exactly and i would tell you that it's as a coach it's very i'm going to say this it's, it's it's very challenging personally to not hold yourself accountable when you're a very driven individual and not Mm -hmm. feeling bad if the outcome isn't the way that you intended. What What I mean is oftentimes as coaches, we're very driven people and we're very competitive people. So sometimes we get caught up in the spur of the moment as well. And when we're competing as a coach, we, you know, we're in it for the team, but sometimes we can, we can hold ourselves a little more accountable for some things that we more so just need to understand, Hey, this is, we're still working hard, but it's not going to pan out the way we expect in wins, in losses, in, and, and it might show its face in different ways. Like, mm-hmm. like a kid coming up to you, and I'm going on a tangent here, but a kid coming up to you at the end of practice and saying that he really enjoyed practice. Or uh, a kid coming up to you after a couple of weeks on working on something that he asked you a question about a few weeks ago and you're noticing and he's noticing the changes that are showing space in the game or in 
other competitions. Mm-hmm. No, I, I like that. I think um, I think it's those moments that we almost like live for as coaches of like, oh, I can mm-hmm. you know, only see if you're making a difference. But it's those tangible moments that you you can understand it and, and appreciate it a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would tell you as well that uh, it, it doesn't come without absence of some of the other challenges I just spoke on. So like there's a balance to it all. And there there are yeah. there are huge positives that kind of bury themselves in the midst of the day to day. Oh, yeah. Like and I, and I think that almost like athletes, right, we don't hear those positives. Right. You ever give a kid feedback and you've told them twelve hundred great things and then you give them one little thing and all the thing that sticks is the negative. I think we as coaches like amplify that. Right. We do so much good. We know we're doing so much good, but mm. one thing goes wrong and we think about it for hours and it bugs us and he like I can't sleep at night sometimes because of it. Uh, but talk about like being an example, like, no, pay attention to the other good stuff. Mm. Yeah. Take that with a grain of salt, but, but use it to grow. And absolutely. And And I think you're hitting on an important point there too. It's, it's just being reflectant and giving yourself feedback as a coach as well. And that's something I've been learning in the past year uh, through these different opportunities I've had in, you know, at the end of the day, we do beat ourselves up on those, you know, the one out of a hundred negative things. But the fact is we're giving ourselves feedback. And we can we can do that positively. So we can we can look at that those moments and look at those opportunities and say, how can my efforts be a little more effective in this place? How can I change this up to make this received a little better by these sort of kids here? How can I, as a coach, uh, articulate my plan and have you know have more people on the same page as me and each and every day we have that opportunity and it doesn't have to show its face in the face of a negative. It can, it can be positive feedback. For sure. Uh, I want you to talk a little bit more about this idea of perception, right? How can I change this up to make it be perceived better? One thing I struggle with is, mm. is I can only control what comes out of my mouth. I can't control what gets heard and I can't control how it's perceived. So like, could you maybe give a story or an example or um, speak a little bit to like a time where that, that worked out really well for you and like exactly what you said is exactly what they heard and what, what you meant or like, uh, that's not what I said or that's not what I meant, but it was perceived so a different way. So the first thing that comes to mind is a, is a tournament I played in recent or I, I coached recently. Uh, we had a, a good group of guys. A lot of a lot of disparity at a very tough age range. Uh, I was coaching a a young high school team, and we were playing in a, a junior varsity bracket. And as you know, as you know, there's a lot of disparity in in growth at that phase in, in men. You know, and we have we have little guys. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we got guys that are have calves bigger than mine, <laughs> and it's you know yeah. it's tough to to coach in those situations. But I would tell you that when we roll the ball out and the kids look across the sidelines and see when the players are double the size and you as a coach are talking to these guys and you're talking to them like they can win, they look at you a little funny if they don't quite believe it. And so we had a tournament in the fall where, where this was the case. And I would tell you the outcome really didn't roll out the way we intended because of the disparity 
and because of just the challenges that come with kids being more mature than other kids at that age range. And so as a coach, what is my job there? And this is what I'm constantly reflecting on, right? My job there is to be a coach, to lead. And regardless of win or loss, our intention is to show up, to provide work ethic, to stand out there and do our best and to get better as a team and then as an individual player. So as I'm talking about these things, as I'm articulating these things to these guys and telling them how good they are, because you and I both know as well, it's good to be positive, to be a positive birdie in your ear. And so I'm, I'm spinning this positive uh I'm framing it very positively and I'm, I'm telling them, Hey guys, like this is an all-star team we're playing. We're going to show up. You guys are going to do great. We're going to come out. We're going to come out fast because that's what we do. We're going to come out fast. We're going to come out hard and we're going to execute. And if things don't go our way, we're going to do it again. Mm-hmm. And so things don't go our way and mm-hmm. we're doing it again. And these guys look at me like, what is this guy talking about? Like this team's so much better than us. And in my head, you and I both know, I know, I know this, I know this, I know this, but Regardless, we still need to show up. We still have a challenge in front of us and we have every ability to show up. And so at the, at the end of the day, after that tournament, we, as I said, we did, the outcome wasn't quite what we expected, but my intent was executed Mm -hmm. because as a coach, my job is to make this fun, to allow a growing and learning environment for these guys and to just have a good time playing the game of lacrosse. And they did that. And the outcome wasn't, the amount of wins that we wanted. But the fact of the matter is I knew as a coach, this would be a challenge. And I knew as a coach, I need to be consistent. And I knew as a coach, what I needed to do on the, the beginning. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really change, but what can happen at the end of the day is I can take that information. I can take that feedback and I can make the changes to put us in a better situation next time. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good example. Um, and I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you framed it that way, right? For like your intent was executed. They, they showed up, they did what we intended to do, mm-hmm. right? You might, you might not have won, but you said perfectly, like not your job isn't necessarily to win, right? Your job is to make it fun and to, to give them an environment to grow in, right? And, and learn something about themselves that day. You know what? At least, at least we went out and we played, right? We didn't, we didn't take. Well, I say that with a grain of salt because I'm extremely competitive and I would tell you that I would want nothing more than for every opportunity to end in a dub, to end in a win. But when I both know it doesn't work that way and oh, sure. the patterns in the pavement, right? Yeah. Like the world around us, like there's a lot of symbolisms we can take from sport. Right. And I believe this is kind of my belief in coaching too. I believe that as coaches, we can scale our impact to outside of coaching and helping these people deal with circumstances, right. Being resilient in the face of the challenge. And the bigger thing is, yeah, wins are cool. I love winning. Like, let's get real. I would love to go to the tournament and smash it and come out with a trophy and hold it high, but that's not how life works. And I said it earlier and I'm going to stand hard in this and we want to work hard and we want to expect that hard work to pay off at the end. But oftentimes it does not look like the way we anticipated it. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's great. How do you, you alluded to it before, like, like I can't necessarily make you work hard. How do you deal with athletes that like, you're going to get some that, that just go for it every time they're just competitive. They drive, they work, they're, they're monsters. And then you're going to get the other kids that are like, well, Mm. my mom made me do this. So I'm here. (laughs) How do you balance that? 
And how do you get the most out of the different okay. whys? So how do I do that? And I would tell you that my rehab experience has definitely helped me in this regard. And my experience in sports has also helped because I'm able to empathize with these athletes. And I would say empathy is a big word there because we have to work backwards from mm -hmm. that place of empathy to give value to wherever that athlete is. And you mentioned that, you know, there's some disparity, you know, different athletes have different goals with why they're there. Some of the people are there. Some of these kids are there because their parents want them to be there and they want this to be another extracurricular activity. So they get uh, just a diverse life experience. And you and I both know that's not a bad thing. You know, it's good to just try things out. It's good that right. we dabble in different things to figure out what we like, what we don't like. But in the same regard, we have to know where the kids are. So we have to know our team. We have to know that we're going to have kids on our team that have goals to play D1, have goals to go pro. And we have to give value in that place mm -hmm. to those kids at that place. So those kids are going to want a little bit more of a high level uh, activity that they can practice, they can work on. And those are the kids that are going to come up to you with very specific questions in their game. And to those kids, I will absolutely give them what they want. And then in the same regard, I'm not going to belittle the kid right. that isn't all in for that. And, you know, we have different teams with different intentions. Like Rec's different from club that's different from school. But what's your job as a coach? Your right. job is to, I said earlier, to provide a learning environment to allow for these guys to grow as people. And for those kids that see it as just their Tuesday night activity, sure. You know, I'm going to make it the best Tuesday night activity yep. you can possibly make it. I'm going to, I'm going to give you exactly what you want on that Tuesday night. Yep. And I'm going to give that kid exactly what he wants. And I'm going to do my best in that in, in the face of both of those challenges. Yep. Um, do you, how do you do that? Right. Do you have conversations with kids? Do you like, how do you get to know your athletes? to the point where you can deliver what they, I, what they I, want. What I they love value. my athletes. I got to be honest with you. I, I love these guys. You know, I, I, I want to know what these guys are up to. I want to know what they're working on outside of practice. I want to know what fires them up in school. Um, because as you and I both know, life's bigger than sports. And so I think if we look at it like that and just understand that these kids are kids outside of this playing field, you know, like let's, let's see what they're up to. Let's see what they're interested in. You've been playing Fortnite, you know, you've been, what are you up to, man? Like, what, like, and, and the yeah, kids right. love it too. They, they can see it and they can see that you're interested in what they're up to and, and they love it. So, um, honestly, that's it, you know, yeah. just really loving the kids and loving the game, uh, gives you the interest in, in your athletes. Yeah. That's uh, so yeah. it's so simple and like eloquently said. I, I gotta thank give you. you. I, I didn't try to Pro say it simple or eloquently. Yeah, it's just nature of the beast. I wouldn't go uh coach badminton, let's put it that way. It's like that's not my thing. <laughs> but my lacrosse yeah. guys, it's like I know where you're coming from because right. I was one of you, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's there's certainly like a, a brotherhood there and a and an understanding, and you said it before, empathy. And you know, it, myself, sure. I had goals to play D one and so I can speak to that place. Yeah. I also had an injury that kind of derailed those goals. So I can also speak to that place. And I've also been on a team yeah. where I've been challenged with a bunch of guys kind of going the other way, you know, the other way that I thought we should go. So I've, I've, I've had a lot of these experiences in, in playing the sport and I think they're for a purpose and for a reason. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I, it's simple as that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. 
Right. Oh my gosh. So much good stuff to like unpack in that. Um, and I, I mean, I want to be respectful of your time. So I want to ask you Absolutely. two more questions. Two more. Um, if you could go back and I know you've, you've been coaching about a year, you said a year and a half uh, or two years. So if you could go back and talk to yourself, maybe in your first month of coaching, I usually, you know, if I get coaches on here, who have been on for 20 years. I asked their first year, but like maybe in your first year, maybe even shorter than that, your first months or months or six months. What would you say to yourself? I would say to myself that it's okay to fail. It's okay to try things. It's okay to explore your team, the team dynamic. And it's okay to change things up. Because, you know, as a, as a coach, you have to stand strongly in what you believe. But you also have to facilitate that place of growth for your athletes. So sometimes that takes a lot of trial and error. And I would tell myself early on in my coaching career, granted it was only a couple of years ago, but I would tell you that I was very hard on myself early on because I expected things very fast, but that's not how it works in the coaching world. It takes a lot of trying things yeah. out and it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of changing <laughs> no, things around and it takes a lot of, you know, working this a little differently and working this in a little differently based on the team. And that's okay. I would tell myself in that place, it's okay to, to change things up and it's okay to fail. Yeah. You keep using the phrase like facilitate a place of growth. And, and that's really what our job is for sure. Um, awesome. All right. And then if you could give a resource or like a book, a movie, a podcast, something that you would recommend other coaches get their hands on to help them improve their craft or, or uh, you know, their, their experiences. I would tell, maybe. I would tell people to look at legacy by James Kerr. It's a book. It's about the All Blacks. It's one of the most successful franchises in sports history from a global level. And it talks about a rugby team that has been the most successful mm -hmm. of any sports franchise ever. And I think there's something to that because I believe there's a lot of uh, patterns of success you can learn from, from their experiences, from their culture. And I would point coaches, players in that direction because they talk a lot about uh, ground level leadership in that book. And they talk about how the captains of the team are the last ones in the locker room sweeping the floors at the end of the night. And I believe that speaks volume because yep. as we enter the sport world, mm -hmm. we get caught up in the external validation. We get caught up in the, the shiny objects, the, the fancy things, the trophies at the end of the road. We get caught up in that stuff, the accolades, right? But you and I both know it takes culture. Yep. It takes being selfless and it takes – it takes just a lot of persistence in the face of a lot of battles behind the scenes. And I would tell you for, for coaches looking for a little bit of encouragement and trying to instill a different culture and, and just want to make their programs a better place. This is an awesome book to look to because of those patterns. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I'm, I'm going to check it out. I just finished um, okay. the culture code by James Coyle and one of the, one of the organizations he, Yep. studied was the all blacks and they had some really cool kind of anecdotes oh, yeah. in there of like how, how they do things so i have a total i would i would tell you that for the organization I, again this is another quote i like success leaves clues and oftentimes in coaching we're trying to reinvent the wheel when we shouldn't yeah. uh, i believe that we should stand in our strengths absolutely because there are strengths for a reason and rather than reinvent the wheel try to learn patterns mm -hmm. of success from other franchises other coaches and there's a ton of these people all over the place we can reach out to mm -hmm. and especially in today's day and age, 
getting a mentor that'll allow you to find value wherever your problems are currently so you can keep moving your needle forward as a coach, as a player, and whatever that mean, might mean for you. I, I like the talent yeah. code by uh, that That's same right. author, though. Also an excellent one. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was, I was wanting to find somebody else who had read that because it was, I mean, I like the culture code and the talent code. Is the talent code is going to be a little more specific on your, your personal, again, we're talking about the accountability piece. Uh, you and I both like to show up and do something tough every single day, it sounds like. And I will tell you that the, the talent code focuses a lot more on the processes that can kind of set you up and which are, which are important in the bigger span of things. But, uh, culture man I, I there's so much power in culture and that's kind of where i've been hurting out lately yeah yeah oh yeah um did you say did you say nerding out yeah me too that's actually really funny you say that um because there's a there's this idea of like language behind culture and one of the things in in the talent code is or excuse me in the culture code is these phrases that mm. that only people within the organization understand they give examples of um, the all blacks, you know, yep. if, if you're not growing anywhere, you're not going anywhere. And the restaurant in New York City, city that they use the term skunking. I'm like, no one knows what the term skunking is unless you're part of the restaurant. And like, think about like your family and like the culture within your family, and like the inside jokes you have and the words and the phrases you use and how those drive like your sense of belonging there. And I've, to I've totally nerded out over this and like diving far oh, yeah. deep, like, you know, an inch wide and two miles deep of, of how to, how to improve my language and the way I communicate so that mm. what I say is, is perceived in the way I want it to be, uh, ended it to be and how we can use that simple tool of, of language to drive. And that's, who we you're, are you're and hitting it right on the head. That's exactly what I'm nerding on as well, because if we kind of reverse engineer the, you know, the people we're trying to work with, it always comes down to how we communicate, right? Um, you know, we, we, and I'm going to use this general example, but we often criticize world leaders because they communicate in a way that is different from the way we perceive. Uh, I'm sure their intention is different from how we're hearing it and how it's making us feel. Uh, and I would, you know, that's, that's so cool that, uh, yep. because yeah, culture is literally the unwritten rules behind what's happening in real time. And, I agree with you. I think a lot of what yeah. we learn is yeah. unlearned. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, well, Ryan, I, I just want to say, I want to take a minute to, to acknowledge you and appreciate you because you've taken the time to, to talk to me about your coaching experience, your, your physical therapy experience. I admire, it sounds like you went out on a limb and started brand new from scratch in San Diego, which is a place you wanted to, to share your, skills and talents with. So thank you for, for having the boldness to do that. And and those are incredibly kind words, Kelly. I, I thank you for having me. Uh, I, I would say real recognizes real in this case. And I I'm encouraged by what you're doing in the conversations that you're allowing to unfold so that people can start having productive conversations and keep moving the needle forward in the sports world, which is an incredible thing. So I want to, I wanted to say thank you and thanks for having me as well. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me for another episode of See One, Do One, Teach One on Every Coach Needs a Coach, the podcast for coaches of all sports and all age groups to learn from coaches and people they may otherwise never have the chance to meet. I'm Coach Kelly, your host, and today I want to talk about 
the book Calling Up, which I just finished this morning, and a really great coach had sent to me. Coach uh, Lenny Krebs is out in Indiana and has become a, a really great friend and, and mentor of mine. And he actually sent me this book a couple weeks ago. So today is uh, May 20th, the day of this recording. We are in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I've been doing a lot of personal development, a lot of reading and, and a lot of uh, podcasting, as you guys know. And in a book calling up, it's basically a, a rundown of a coach who kind of is going through a crisis of he can't get through to his teams and they're not winning games. And he's a basketball coach at high school and he's not sure if he's going to go back and coach the next year. And he gets advised to go climb a mountain that's in his town that everybody climbs when they are going through something that he's going through. So he climbs the mountain and he learns a lot of lessons while climbing the mountain. And he, he runs into a guide who walks him through, you know, the, the challenges of climbing the mountain and teaches him that, that the easy path isn't necessarily the one that's going to get you to your destination, right? Going to get you to the top. In fact, the easy path might lead you somewhere that you don't want to go at all. And that's my biggest takeaway from the book. Um, the first, first time I read through it, and I'm sure I will reference this and I'll go back to it. But what I want to talk about in see one, do and teach one is this idea of, of letting ourselves and our athletes and the people around us struggle so that they're not taking the easy path so that they, they grow from their experience. I think it's so natural for us as, as leaders to want to make things easier for the people we lead, right? Whether that's parenting and and I don't fully understand it. I'm not going to pretend to because I'm not a parent yet, but I see it in my nieces and nephews, and I see it in the kids I coach. We, we want to make things easier for them, right? We want to lower obstacles. We want to lower hurdles so that they can successfully get over and around and through those hurdles. Uh, but I think we're doing them a disservice by treating them that way, right? We, it's our job to give them the tools to grow, right, to support them in their struggle of getting over or around or through that obstacle and letting them guiding them, but letting them figure it out themselves. So there's a couple quotes that I want to read from the book. One is on page 170, and it says, we need to support them in their struggle, right? Um, Support them in their struggle, but let them struggle. It's the hardest thing we have to do, and this says as parents, right? Letting them struggle and experience adversity but it helps them learn to deal with conflict, assert themselves, and develop resilience. So I read it again. Support them in their struggle, but let them struggle. It's the hardest thing we must do as parents, letting them struggle and experience adversity. But it helps them to learn to deal with conflict, assert themselves, and develop resilience. So it talks about parents in there, and this is you know a story-based book. So the coach is talking to a parent in that and uh asking him to let his son kind of struggle through his own adversity. But I think it's a good little window into what, all right, what should we be doing, but how difficult it actually is to, to let them do that. Um, along that line, and there's this is kind of the theme that I took away, on page 203 it says, great leaders don't remove painful experiences, but they support people. They support their people through them. 
Great leaders don't remove painful experiences, but they support their people through them. By supporting our kids, right? And by supporting, this applies to anybody, right? Our spouses, um, our parents, significant others, whatever it might be. Um, support them in their struggle, but let them struggle. Um, and then again, uh, on page 203, this idea of you only fail if you don't let them fail. Right? You only fail if you don't let them fail. They need obstacles and challenges in their path. And then lastly, as we progress through the book and coach you know, struggles along in his journey, they get to the end of the season banquet. And on page 221, it says, The easy road does not provide valuable experience. The easy road does not lead young men to greatness. And he's talking about his players here, but again, it applies to kids and, and anybody who we're leading or supporting. Um, and then at, lower down on that page, it says, we chose to see every obstacle, setback, and trial that came our way as an opportunity to learn and grow. And then lastly, two pages later on 223, he says, I needed to fail to get where I am today. And I think those, those handful of quotes there really bring that full circle, right? Support them in their struggle, but let them struggle. And then that was the first one. And then to round it out and let it come full circle, right? I needed to fail to get where I am today. So this idea of it's, it's difficult. It's so difficult to sit there and watch someone that you love struggle, right? Watching your kids learn to walk. Think about any time somebody had to experience growth, right? Your kid who graduates high school or college, right? And, and teams that go on to win championships. And talked about this with Coach Wink a few weeks ago, right, of you want to get to the end of your season and you want to raise your trophy, or even if you didn't win a trophy, right, you want to get there and say, I grew through this experience and I enjoyed the growing process through the experience. Um, and we, we need to struggle through that. And I really like this concept and idea. And I plan to do this with my teams of asking them, what are your goals right, for the season? And inevitably you're going to get, we want to win, you know, a tournament or a championship or the conference or something. And I'm going to hand them a trophy, or hand them a certificate or hand them a plaque and say, Okay, you won it. Here you go. Right? We didn't do it. Here you go. Here's the championship. Here's the trophy. And I, I plan, I expect that I'm going to get kind of funny looks. Right? Well, Coach Kelly, th- this doesn't mean anything. Why doesn't it mean anything? It doesn't mean anything because we didn't earn it. We didn't go through the struggles. We didn't play the games. We didn't go through the practices that made us earn this and made this worthwhile. Right? They, they need to go through the struggles, and they need to want to go through the struggles, right? And, the, and they need to feel supported as they go through that. They don't want the obstacles to just disappear in front of them, right? Think of it like it's so rewarding when you when you finally get over whatever it is you're, you're going through. And I mentioned it before, it's May 20th, 2020. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. We're starting to kind of come out of it in phase one, who knows what it's it's going to look like in a month or two or, or a year. But this idea of struggling through this, right, how good is it going to feel when we come out of this on top? How, how much stronger are we going to be as, as families, as people, as communities, 
when we come out of this thing together. Like, sure, it would be great if somebody came by and took it away, but we would miss out on this opportunity to grow and to learn about ourselves, about our families, about our significant others, about our businesses, about our communities, about who steps up and who backs away and who gets scared and and who, you know, our frontline workers who are risking their lives every day. Um, And also the the people who aren't necessarily on the front lines or what we think of as front lines, but, but everybody who's staying home and who's staying home and who's flattening the curve so that we don't overwhelm the healthcare system so that we don't undo what we've done so far. Like this is a huge opportunity for us to grow and it stinks, but we need to go through it. Like we need to, to be allowed to struggle. We need to be allowed to fail and we need to grow from those experiences, right? We want to come out of this with our heads high, having learned from it, right? That's the most powerful tool we could have, right? Let's learn about ourselves. Let's learn about our community. Let's learn about our culture. We're seeing lots of things come out uh, that are, that people show their true colors. So um, that's, that's all I wanted to reflect on. Today, this idea of let them struggle, but support them in their struggle, right? You fail if you don't let them fail as a coach. The easy road doesn't make you stronger or provide a valuable experience. And choose to see every obstacle, setback, and trial that comes your way as an opportunity to learn and grow, right? There's a growth mindset. Maybe we'll talk about that in another time. Um, But needing to fail to get where you are today. So as painful as it is to struggle and as painful as it is to watch those around you struggle and those you lead struggle, give them the tools, give them the belief that you have in them and verbalize that and communicate that in a way to them that's that's meaningful to them. Uh, but let them struggle. Let them struggle, give them support and love them through it all. Um, that was another really, really big takeaway from this book is love. Love your players through it all love them. They're valuable no matter what their skill set is, you know, how good or bad they are at soccer or basketball or whatever you're coaching them has nothing to do with their value as a person. Um, So let them struggle and love them through it. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for another see one, do one, teach one on every coach needs a coach. Um, The book is calling up by JP Nurbun. It was a really good read. Uh, took me some time to get through it, but he's got some really good resources. He has a podcast um, called the Co- Coaching Culture Podcast, which is 30 minutes, and then Culture Builders Podcast, which is three minutes. Um, so I am certainly going to check those out. I just learned about them. So uh, maybe we'll do another see one, do one, teach one on those. But uh, again, they are the Culture Coaching Podcast and the Culture Builders Podcast by J.P. Nurbun, N-E-R-B-U-N. Guys, thanks for listening. Please know I love you. I appreciate you, and you are so important. And I will be back uh, next week with another See One, Do One, Teach One. And this Sunday coming out is uh, Coach Oates, Coach Jason Oates. He, is a, a, he coaches youth sports down in, I think he's in South Carolina. I'm not 100% sure um, where, where he's at right now. But... Um, he's got a podcast of his own that, that was kind of the inspiration for this one. 
So make sure you guys check that out on Sunday. I appreciate you and your support, and I'll talk to you really soon.